Hi, I'm Han Brown, host of Boomer Living and Senior Living Broadcast. The show is inspired by the professionals caring for the older adults. Every week, we have industry professionals on the show, namely neurologists, gerontologists, geriatricians, technologists, caregivers, providers, developers, and operators. They share their journey, impact, and lessons learned in caring for the aging population, which includes the older adults 50-plus, the baby boomers, and the silent generation. The future of aging will be different for individuals, families, businesses, communities, and societies. So now is the time to lead, plan, and to act. So join the conversation of hot topics in serving older adults with friends and industry experts. Dr. Lydia Cristobal is today's guest. She's a healthcare executive who has worked in many healthcare settings with a special focus on post-acute and geriatric care. With two degrees in nursing administration, she currently is the administrator for the hospital-based skill nursing facility. So I'm excited to learn about her journey in caring for the older adults in post-acute and uh, geriatric care. Lydia, thank you so much for being here on Boomer Living to share some of what you've learned throughout your career, and welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. So could we start with you sharing a little bit about yourself, where you're from, your work experience, and what are you working on right now? Well, I was born and raised in the Philippines, and my family and I emigrated uh, here in the U.S. when I was 18. So I started being a licensed practical nurse. And that was when my first job in the nursing home happened. And I grew up in long-term care. And it was in those experiences that I realized that um, I've seen the rise and fall of leaders. I've seen challenges, situations, and I was fearful. Um, I was fearful for my career. I was fearful for the way that our patients were treated in the nursing home. And that's when I told myself that when I become a leader, then I will make that change and I will make things better for our geriatric population. I will be their voice. And um, hence, I am in this journey being an administrator myself. And slowly, I'm keeping that promise and changing the way that care is delivered for our geriatric population. Congratulations on the impact that you're making. So can you tell us a bit about the problem with high turnover in the nursing home? Yes. So what my empirical evidence, I've seen this all the time in every nursing home that I've been to. And it's a known fact that administrators don't get to stay in their jobs. Usually it's like a year or two because of the, the need to fill up the beds. Pretty much the administrator's job is to fill up the beds regardless of how that happens. And if the administrator is unable to fill up the beds, then that's a time they can possibly lose their job. Same thing with the director of nursing. And because if there's no match, a good partnership between the director of nursing and the administrator, that's when the high turnover happens. And as much as, don't get me wrong, there are really good administrators, directors of nursings out there, but the thing is they're not supported. And so what happens is that when they try to start an initiative to the staff, oh, I'm the new administrator or, or hey, I'm the new uh, director of nursing, let's do this project, we're going to make it. And just when they started, that's when they leave the job. 
And here is the staff being affected by that high turnover. Like, oh, here's the same story again, right? Here's a new person. They're going to start, put some initiative, and then what for? And so we need to figure out something and how we can take care of our leaders by providing mentorship, by providing support for them. And I think it's easy to say, but very difficult to do. So that's when the organizational stewardship uh, falls into to action. How are we really taking care of our leaders? Because if you take care of our leaders, uh, because most nursing homes are family owned and it's a business, we have to make the money to be a sustainable business. But we also have to consider that for an organization to be successful, we have to take care of them. Because once we take care of our staff, then they will take care of our patients. And magical things happen as a result. If you really care about our geriatric population, we will take care of our leaders. Because once we take care of our leaders and staff, the results will come out as they provide the best care for our geriatric population. Very true. Very true. That was my next question is, what is the role of organizational stewardship in providing an excellent patient experience? So one thing is one, and it's easy to do mentorship, but it's hard to do because what happens in long-term care is that short of staff, there's a lot of short of staff and we don't put emphasis on having as simple as having a nurse practice council. That's one of the things that contributes to organizational stewardship by taking care of the staff. So if I'm a good person, if I'm a good nurse, I want to care. I came into the long-term care because I want to take care of old people. And if I'm not supported by thoughts of innovation, thoughts of improving my practice as a nurse, then what's the point? Everything will just get task-oriented. And that's a sad reality. And that's when it's important that we practice organizational leadership by promoting how we can advance into our practice. And I know that it costs money in terms of having to allocate staff to attend nurse council, to attend further education, to improve what they do for for the nurses. But if we actually invest on them, we will get the return thereafter. It's a return on investment. And again, it's easy to say, but it's not usually practiced and it's not it's not usually being done in our long-term care settings. So what would you say the biggest lesson that your facility has learned as a result of COVID-19? This is where the, this is a time where we can find ways to use technology to connect. This is the time where we can bring people closer, understanding them. Um, because of the COVID, then their vis- visitation restrictions are in effect. And so how do we allow our patients to connect with family and friends? And it's a good thing that we have technology that we can, we can use. For As a matter of fact, we had a patient who, who has his 90th birthday, and we allow the family to bring in his cake and balloons. And we had a really good celebration by using FaceTime um, and video conference and to celebrate with the family. We can think of ways to change, to prevent isolation 
Um, and it's very tough. Even the nurses are also overwhelmed in terms of staff. But with the event of the COVID and what it brought us, it made us realize too that if we're working as a team, it brings us closer together because the challenges that we face, we only have each other and and it's a great thing. And this is when we actually had the time to stop and smell the roses that, wow, we are a great team and we're able to get through it together. Very true. Team usually wins. So that's a great philosophy. Now, as far as the biggest thing that you learned personally in your own life from working through this pandemic, do you have any lessons learned? Well, prior to the pandemic, I was already looking into telehealth because I know that boomers, we know that boomers want their independence. And so the way that traditional nursing homes are set up is pretty much not where you want to be. As a matter of fact, statistics have shown that six in 10 Americans would rather die than be in, in nursing homes. And there's a stigma related to that. So then the question is, how are we going to change the kind of care that we deliver? I personally do not believe in traditional nursing homes anymore because that's where the stigma comes in. I believe in greenhouse project. I believe in a different care model. And, and so what can we do to change it the way that the care is delivered? But we have to ask the right questions first. And for me, I was armed with education to practice evidence-based practice. So are we really doing that? Are we asking the right question to change the kind of care that we do, even if it's just in small steps? So for instance, in my current uh, job right now in CarePoint, one of the things of the evidence-based project that we had is simple as music therapy. It's a complementary treatment where we can, where the patient's pain is going to Pain management will be effective rather with the use of music therapy in adjuvant to pain medications. And another one that we have today as well is horticultural therapy to improve the quality of life and improve activities of daily living. So when we do projects like that, we have to disseminate. We have to tell the world that it works and that we have to do something about it to change the care model that we provide. And it's very important in our profession to always ask the questions and how we can change. Now, sadly, for long-term care, again, everything is task-oriented. Let's just get through the day. We give the patients our medications. They do their activities. Everything is like all over again. But I think that there's a need, and I'm calling out to all post-acute care leaders out there, that we should use this opportunity to leverage collaboration with entrepreneurs and high-tech industries. How can we change the way that care is delivered through innovation? For example, if I would want my father, in other words, my father has dementia and he lives alone, what are the ways that we can use technology for him to be safely at home? There are the cameras at home or motion detectors when they move around the house. By us collaborating with entrepreneurs enables us to think about what technology can be created to allow our boomers to stay at home safely. Because that's what they want to do. They want to stay home. They want to have their independence. And there, there are technology out there, but we just have to tap into that. 
Yeah, I think there are a lot of technologies, perhaps operating in separate entities. I think it needs to be more of a coordinated orchestration of all of these segregated technologies to work in a harmonious fashion. Do you agree? Yes, totally. Yeah. I, I've had a couple of folks as guests on this show, and they've shared some great innovation technologies. And I think that absolutely they exist, and there's going to be more that will be flourishing in years to come as a result of the pandemic. But I think more importantly, how do we orchestrate all of these technologies into one that's very robust, into a smart home, let's say? These are very good points. So let me ask you, so what do you think geriatric care will be in five years? It will be really be home-based and that's a thing of the future because, and we've seen a lot of nursing homes, bed capacity shrinks because nobody wants to be in a nursing home. If we have the smart home and we can leverage that, then I think that's the future. And we can see that from other countries where they are putting emphasis as well for home care. And the mere fact that a lot of providers are now able to go to the patient home to give the care or use technology and to use telehealth for that matter. I think um, out of this pandemic, telehealth, telemedicine, televisits, you know, however um, is being used, uh, has exponentially grown. And I think it will continue to do so um, to serving the uh, aging population. So let's say in the long term, 50 years or so, what big changes will you see to geriatric care? What do we need to do to get there? I, again, as I mentioned, I love uh, the concept of the greenhouse model, and I'm sure it's going to be well known and it's going to grow. But to answer your question about 50 years from now, I, I just think that by that time, we have already thought of ways to change the way geriatric care is delivered not in an, as an institution, but more of a greener house. And one of the things that I advocate for is evidence-based practice design. And sadly, a lot of uh, the long-term care industry or, or the senior living industry, they continue to build models of home by construction and because it's aesthetically pleasing, but not using evidence-based practice that really tailors to the geriatric uh, population. For instance, as simple as color, as simple as how the architecture of the environment is designed. It's as simple as that. And I can envision a future where we will practice evidence-based practice design, where it is the environment is conducive to a holistic model of care. And that's what we need. And again, it's the, being in an institution is a thing of the past. And, and I think that we should put all our efforts to change that care. And to do that, we should also have our voices heard. So if we know something that is not working, then we should do as leaders to participate in getting our voices heard to, for CMS, for our um, for a state-based, makes the decision for policy change. Because sometimes a lot of these care, as much as we want the best innovation for our geriatric population, sometimes it's cost prohibitive. And it's, it, it's a sad reality, but I'm sure, again, by collaborating with the best minds in the industry, 
we can figure out a solution to change the model of care that will benefit everyone. It's all about research, right? So we really have to emphasize data and research to improve the care that we provide. What I hear in our conversation is that independence, purpose, contribution, wellness, and vibrancy, all of that promotes living, right? And I think that's, that's what we all want to be, whether we are 50s, 70s, or 90s. And what's your thought on that? Because I feel like everything that you're talking about, yes, we do need to provide better care, geriatric care, and promote wellness, vibrancy, engagement, overall living. Because I think that's what you and I want. And as humanity, we all want that. Correct. And and that's how we have to practice. And this is our opportunity uh, to change. This is our opportunity to have our voices heard. Because if we do not convey that, then nothing is going to change. For other generations, they work their life to contribute to the society. And nobody wants to like, oh, okay, uh, I'm going to work hard so I can be in a nursing home. Nobody wants that. But we want to enjoy. We want to age in a very in a very beautiful way where um, life is beautiful and we live a very holistic healthy lives. It's something that we, and I know it's very easy to say, but pretty much difficult to do. But in small steps, I'm sure sometime in the future, I am hopeful that we can change it. We just have to gather together and collaborate as leaders to make it better for our geriatric population. Yeah, I agree. I think now it's the best time ever because of COVID. It has uncovered the importance of this, right? It's in the media and all the good of the healthline front care providers and workers. I think mostly it uncovers the, the shortcomings. And this is when we can take on those shortcomings and improve and make it stronger for many decades to come because we have 10,000 folks turning 65 plus every day for the next mm-hmm. several decades. Yeah, we really have to position ourselves and it's the first time that I heard about um, China and Italy, where there are more of the older people and we only have a few of the, the younger generations to care for them. So what is our solution to tackle that problem? So it's just a matter of what kind of culturally competent care can we provide that is also efficient as well that will provide the best outcome for our patients. And I hope by having these conversations, people that are voicing the concerns, asking the questions, the folks that really want to make an impact as opposed to just sitting back and just accepting the problem. So I'm glad that we have this conversation and I'm, I'm hopeful that people will listen and there will be a stronger voice and eventually com- folks coming together with some action items that are truly um, executable solutions. So that is the driving force behind the senior living, the the podcast that I'm doing, because I think it's very important. It isn't just one sector. It's all encompassing and it has to be a coordinated effort. I agree. And thank you for this platform. And this is one of the things that can disseminate ideas and that I encourage leaders to to publish. Sometimes it's those good news stories if they just need to be heard, 
What are those little things that we have done in our profession to improve our geriatric care? We need to disseminate those important stories. And as simple as that can probably inspire other people. So it's just a matter of publishing. And again, it's the dissemination is of utmost importance for us to move forward. Very good. Now, do you have any other thoughts that you would like to share? I pretty much would like to have a wishing message to our leaders out there that I know with the the COVID pandemic that happened, it's very tough just living day to day. But if, again, we come together as leaders in in long-term care or the senior living industry, we can make things better in the future by supporting each other and that the simple the simple action of supporting each other having use leveraging social media to support each other sometimes that's all we need to get through the day because it, it is tough it is tough we all i've known a lot of administrators who quit their job because they, they said i've had it i'm done but sometimes it's those challenges that makes us stronger and if you really are passionate in the work that we do, we will overcome that and it will make us stronger eventually. It's such an honor and what a blessing to be. It's very difficult, but to be in the industry that we get to serve the aging population, because you know what? I believe it sets the direction how we're going to be cared for, because we're all going in the same direction. And as professionals in the industry, we got to step it up because everything that we're doing for our parents and grandparents, we're setting the stage for ourselves. I agree, I agree. Yeah, I appreciate your time. Okay, great. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it and enjoy this wonderful time with you. All right, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Boomer Living Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, boomerliving.tv, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and other platforms. This way, you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, we would really appreciate a rating in iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us tremendously. Be sure to tune in weekly for our next episode. And remember, growing old is the purest and the most positive experience of human existence.